The Common Man, Part 2, by Guy McCord, also known as Dallas McCord Reynolds. Narrated by Ralph J. Martin. The Common Man, Part 2. The estate which the boys had secured for Crowley was two or three miles out of Tannersville on a mountainside and quite remote. He took considerable pride in showing them about. Although it was obvious he had been here before only once himself. He was obviously enjoying the situation thoroughly and had planned it out in some detail. Besides the empty-faced Larry who had driven the car, they were introduced to two more of Crowley's confederates, neither of whom gave any indication that the three were present under duress. The first was a heavy-set Moist Palm Southerner with a false air of jovial, shook hands heartily and said nothing with a good many words for a few minutes, then excused himself. The third confidant was an older man of sad mien who would have passed easily in the swankiest of Washington, New York, or London private clubs. He was introduced simply as Mr. Whiteley, greeted them pleasantly as though all were fellow guests, had a word to say about the weather then, and passed on. Patricia was frowning. Your southern friend, Paul Teeter, it seems to me I've heard his name before. Paul Crowley grinned. Oh, Paul's been in the news from time to time. Ross was looking after Mr. Whiteley, who had disappeared into the main building. They were standing on the lawn as part of the guarded tour Crowley had given them. He growled, I suppose the two of them are experienced confidence men or something. Take it easy with those cracks, Ross, Crowley said. Whiteley used to have a seat on the stock exchange, a real big shot, but that was before they disbarred him or whatever they call it. See here, Dr. Braun said urgently, we've had enough of all of this, Don. I propose we go somewhere where it will be possible for us to bring you to your senses and save you from disaster. Kind of a power, eh? Okay, Doc. Come on in here. He led them to the entrance, conducted them inside and into a library that led off the main entrada. He said, By the way, Larry has a few of his boys up here just kind of like estate watchmen. Some of them aren't much used to being out of the city, and they get nervous, so... Ross growled, All right, all right. Don't try to make a third-rate villain in a B-movie. You have guards about, and it would be dangerous to try to leave without your permission. How about that? Raleigh exclaimed as though amazed. Man, you eggheads catch on quick. Nothing like a college education. He waved them to chairs. I'm going to have to leave for a while. Whiteley's got some big deal brewing and we got to work it out. He grinned suddenly. And Larry's got a different kind of deal. One he's been planning for years but hasn't been able to swing one or two details. It's a caution how many details a little man who wasn't there can handle in one of these king-sized capers. 
he had used the pseudo-criminal term, caper, with considerable satisfaction. Crowley was obviously having the time of his life. Very well, Strawn said. We'll wait. When the other had left the room, leaving the door open behind him, the doctor turned to his two younger associates. What children we've been. Ross Woolley growled unhappily. Brother, we couldn't have picked the worst so-called common man if we tried. That character as nutty as a stuffed date. Do you realize what he's in a position to do? Patricia twisted her mouth thoughtfully. I wonder if any of us really realize. I'm afraid even with all our speculation, we never truly thought this out. Dr. Braun pushed his glasses back on his nose with a forefinger. He shook his head. You make a mistake, Ross. We didn't make a bad choice in our selection of Don Crowley for our typical common man. Ross looked at him and snorted. Braun said doggedly, Remember, we attempted to find the average man, the common man, the little man, the man in the street. Well, it becomes obvious to me we did just that. Patricia said thoughtfully, I don't know. I'm inclined to think that from the beginning you two have underestimated Don. He has certainly shown considerable ingenuity. Do you realize that he's done all this in a matter of less than a week? Done what? Ross said sarcastically. She gestured. Look at this establishment. He's obviously acquired considerable money, and he already has an organization, or at least the beginnings of one. That is beside the point, Braun said ruefully. I say that he is reacting as would be expected, as the average man in the street would react given the opportunity to seize almost unlimited power and with small chance of reprisal. Patricia shrugged as though in disagreement. Braun looked at Ross Woolley. Close the door, Ross. Lord knows when we'll have another chance to confer. Obviously, something must be done. Ross came quickly to his feet, crossed to the door, looked up and down the hallway, which was empty, then closed the door behind him. He came back to the others and drew his chair in closer so that they could communicate in low voices. Braun said, One thing is definite. We must not allow him to secure further serum. For all we know, he might be planning to inject some of those gangsters he's affiliated himself with. Patricia shook her head thoughtfully. I still think you underestimate Don. He must realize he can't trust them. At this stage, he has to confide in at least two or three fully to utilize his invisibility. But in the long run, it isn't to his advantage to have anybody know about it. If the authorities such as the FBI began looking for an invisible man, sooner or later... They would penetrate the field of invisibility. You mean to think that Crowley will use these men for a time and then destroy them? He'll have to, 
or sooner or later the secret will be out. Braun said in soft logic, If he can't allow anyone to know about it, then we too must be destroyed. Ross growled, Then we got to finish him first. Butcher said, I don't know. Don is showing considerably more sense than you two evidently gave him credit for. I think in many ways what he's done is quite admirable. He's seen his chance and has grasped it. Why, I wouldn't be surprised that Don will be the most powerful man in the country within months. The two men were staring at her. Ross sputtered, Have you gone completely around the bend? Are you defending this, this? A voice chuckled. Mind your language, buster. Just take it easy or you'll wind up with some missing teeth. Ross jumped to his feet as though crouched with an electric prod. Dr. Braun stiffened in his chairs and his eye darted about the room. Patricia alone seemed collected. Don Crowley, she ex exclaimed. You should be ashamed of yourself, listening in on private conversations. Yeah, the voice said. However, it's handy to know what the other side is dreaming up in the way of a bad time for you. Sit down, Buster. I've got a few things to say. Muttering, Ross resumed his place. The doctor sighed deeply and sank back into the sofa he had been occupying. The three could see an indentation magically appear in the upholstery of an easy chair across from them. Crowley's voice said confidently, You know from the first, I've kept telling you, eggheads, that I'm not stupid. But none of you bothered to listen. You think just because you spent six or eight years of your life in some college that you're automatically smarter than the other people. But I got a theory, like, that it doesn't make any difference if you spend your whole life going to college. You still don't wind up smart if you didn't start that way. Ross began to mutter something, but Crowley snapped. Shut up for a minute. I'm talking. He resumed his condescending tone. Just for example, take a couple of guys who got to the top. Edison in science and Khrushchev in politics. For all practical purposes, neither of them went to school at all. Khrushchev didn't even learn to read until he was 28 years old. Then take Dr. Braun here. He spent half his life in school and where'd it got him? He'd make more dough if he owned the local garage and dealer franchise for one of the automobile companies in some jerkwater town. And look at Ross. He'd probably make more money playing pro football than he does messing around with all those test tubes and Bunsen burners and everything. What good has all the school done either? Dr. Bronson gently, Could we get to the point. Take it easy, Doc. I'm in charge here. You just sit and listen. The point is, you three with your smart Alec egghead education started off thinking that Mr. Common Man, like you call me, is stupid. Well, it just so happens I'm not. Take Pat here. She's smarter than you two, but she had the same idea. 
that this here country boy isn't as smart as she is. She's going to fox him, see? As soon as she saw the way the cards were falling, she started buttering up to me. She even figured out that I was probably right in this room listening to you, planning how to trip me up. So she pretended to take sides against you. Why, Don, Patricia protested. Come off it, kid. You probably hate my guts worse than the others. You were the one who thought this particular average man was a slob. That all common people were slobs. Patricia's face went expressionless, but Ross, knowing her well, could sense her dismay. Crowley was right. She had been trying to play a careful game, but their supposedly average man had seen through her. Crowley's voice went thoughtful. I've been doing a lot of thinking this week. A lot of it. And you want to know something? You know what I decided? I decided that everybody talks a lot about the common man. But actually, he's never had a chance to, like, express himself. He's never been able to put over the things he's always wanted. Haven't you ever heard of democracy? Ross said sourly. Who do you think elects our officials? Shut up, I told you. I'm talking now. Sure, every four years, the lousy politicians come around. They stick their coonskin caps on their heads or Indian bonnets and start saying ain't when they make their speeches. Showing they're just folks, see? They go out into the country and stick a straw in their mouth and talk about crops to the farmers, all that sort of thing. But they ain't really common folk. Most of them are lawyers or bankers or something. They run those political parties and make all the decisions themselves. The common man never really has anything to say about it. Bronze said reasonably, You have a choice. Do you think one candidate is opposed to your interests? You can elect the other. Crowley grunted his contempt. But they're both the same. No, there hasn't been no common man in Washington since Lincoln. And maybe he wasn't. Well, I'll tell you something. The kind of talk I hear down in the corner saloon from just plain folks makes a lot more sense to me than all this stuff the politicians pull. Braun cleared his throat and stared at the seemingly empty chair from whence the other belligerent's voice came. Are you thinking of entering politics, Don? Maybe I am. Good heavens, Patricia ejaculated. Oh, I'm not smart enough, eh? Well, listen, baby, the eggheads don't seem to be so great in there. Maybe it's time the common man took over, Dr. Braun said reasonably. But see here, Crowley, the ability to achieve invisibility doesn't give you any advantages in swinging elections or... He broke off in mid-sentence and did a mental double-take. Crowley laughed in contempt. The biggest thing you need to win election, Doc, is plenty of dough. And I'll have that. But I'll also have the way to do more muckraking than anybody in history. 
I'll sit in on every important private get-together those crook politicians have. I'll get the details of every scheme they cook up. I'll get into any safe or safety deposit box. I'll have the common people you sneer so much about screaming for their blood. Ross rumbled. What do you expect to accomplish in office, Crowley? The voice became expansive. Lots of things. Take this Cold War. If you drop into any neighborhood bar, you'll hear what the common man thinks about it. The three of them stared at the seemingly empty chair. Drop the bomb first, Crowley snapped. Finish those reds off before they start it. In fact, I'm not even sure they got the bomb. They're not smart enough to. There was Sputnik, you know, Ross interrupted sourly. Yeah, but built by those captured German scientists. We're way ahead of those Ruskies and everything. Hit them now, finish them off. The eggheads in Washington are scared of their own shadows. Another thing I'd end is getting suckered in by those French and English politicians. What does America need with those countries? They always start up these wars and get us to bail them out. And I say, stop all this foreign aid and keep the money in our own country. And we can do a lot of cleaning up right here, too. We got to kick all the commies out of the government. Make all the commies and the socialists and these egghead liberals illegal. In fact, I'm in favor of shooting them. When you got an enemy, finish them off. And take the Jews. I'm not anti-Semitic, like you understand. Some of my best friends are Jews. But you got to realize that wherever they go, they cause trouble. They stick together. They take over the best businesses and all. Okay, you know what I say? I say, kick them out of the country. And they all came over here poor and made their money here. So let them leave the way they came. We'll, like, confiscate all their property except personal things. Patricia had closed her eyes in pain long before this. She said softly, I imagine somewhere along in there we'll get to the Negroes. I'm not against them, just so they stay in their place. But this integration stuff is bunk. You gotta face facts. Negroes aren't as smart as white people. Neither are chinks or Mexicans or Puerto Ricans. So, okay. Give them their own schools, up, up to high school is all they need, and let them have jobs like waiters and janitors and like that. They shouldn't take a white man's job, and they shouldn't be allowed to marry white people. It deteriorates the race like. Crowley was really becoming wound up now, wound up and expansive. There's a lot of things I'd change, see? Take freedom of speech and press like that. Sure, I believe in that. I'm 100% American. But you can't allow people to talk against the government. Freedom of speech is okay, but you can't let a guy jump up in the middle of a theater and yell fire. Why not, Ross growled. Freedom of speech is more important than a few movie houses full of people. Besides, if one man is allowed to jump and yell fire, then somebody else can yell out, You're a liar! There is no fire! You're not funny, Crowley said ominously. 
I wasn't trying to be, Ross muttered, and then blurred into sudden action. He shot to his feet, then arms extended, dashed towards the source of the voice. He hit the chair without slowing, grappled crazily. I got him! He wrestled awkwardly, fantastically, seeming in an insane tumbling without an opponent. Patricia was on her feet. She grasped an antique bronze candle holder and darted toward the now-fallen chair and to where Ross was wrestling desperately on the floor. Crowley tempted to shout, but was largely smothered. Patricia held the candlestick at the ready, trying to find an opening, trying to locate the invisible Crowley's head. Frederick Braun staggered to his own feet, bewildered, shaking. A voice from the door said flatly, Okay, that's it, said Sharper. I said cut it out. You all right, Mr. Crowley? It was Larry. His thin black automatic was held almost negligently in his right hand. He ran his eyes up and down Patricia, taking in the candlestick weapon. His ordinarily empty face registered a flicker of amused approval. Patricia grasped, Oh, no, dropped her bludgeon and sank into a chair, her head in her hands. Ross, his face in dismay, came slowly to his feet. The redhead stared at the gunman momentarily, considering further attack. Larry, ignoring both Braun and Patricia, swung the gun to cover him exclusively. I wouldn't, he said emptily. All of a sudden... Ross's head jerked backward. His nose flattened crushingly, then spurted blood. He reeled back, his head flinging this way and that. Bruises and cuts appeared magically. Raleigh's voice raged, You asked for it, wise guy. How do you like these apples? The sanguine Larry chuckled silently. Hey, take it easy, chief. You'll kill the guy. Ross had crumpled to the floor. There were still sounds of blows. Raleigh raged, You're lucky I'm not wearing shoes. I'd break every rib in your body. Patricia was stirring in hopeless horror. She said sharply, Don, remember, you need Ross. You need all of us. Without all of us, there can be no more serum. The blows stopped. There will be no more serum anyways, Braun said shakily. The thin little man stood before his chair, not moving at all since the action began. Crowley's heavy breathing could be heard, but he managed to snarl. That's what you think, Doc, Braun said. By Caesar, I absolutely refuse to. Crowley interrupted ominously. You know, Doc... That's where this particular common man has it all over you eggheads. You spend so much time reading, you don't take in the action shows on TV. Now, what you're thinking is that even if we were to twist your arm a little, you'd stick to your guns. I suppose like it was Pat we was working on while you had to sit and watch. The elderly's brave front collapsed and his thin shoulders slumped. Crowley barked a laugh. Patricia by now was bent over the unconscious Ross, crying even as she tried to help him. 
Crowley said to the silent, all but disinterested Larry, have these three put in separate rooms in that section they used for the violent wing when the place was a nut house. Have a good guard and see they don't talk back and forth. Yo, the boss, Larry said languidly. Crowley was thorough. For that, they had to give him credit. They were kept divided, each in a different room cell and with at least two burly, efficient guards on constant watch. They were fed on army-type trays, and their utensils were checked carefully. There was no communication allowed, even with the guard. The second day, Crowley took measures to see their disappearance raised no alarm at either their place of employment or at the residences. This raised few problems since all were single and all had already taken off both from the job and from their homes in order to carry out their experiment. Crowley forced them to write further notes and letters finding excuses for extending their supposed vacations. He also had Larry return to the hotel suite, pay their bill, pack their things, and bring them to the Catskills estate, which had become their prison. He had them make up lists of materials and equipment they would need for further manufacture of serum upon which they had stumbled and set off men to acquire the things. And on three occasions during the following weeks, he had them brought from their cells and spent an hour or so with them at lunch or dinner. Crowley evidently needed an audience beyond that of his henchmen. The release of his basic character, formerly repressed, was progressing geometrically, and there seemed to be an urgency to crow, to brag, to boast. On the third of these occasions, he was already seated at the table when they were ushered into the dining room. Crowley dismissed the guards with a wave of his hand as though they were livered servants. All had eaten, but there were liquors and coffee, cigars and cigarettes on the broad table. Ross sank into a chair and growled, Well, what has the great man Roth now? Crowley grinned at him poured coffee, then a dollop of Napoleon brandy into it. He gestured with a hand. Help yourselves, folks. How are you feeling? You getting all the books you wanted? You look kind of peaked, Pat. Miss O'Gara to you, you ape with delusions of grandeur, she snapped. When are you going to let us out of these prison cells? Crowley wasn't provoked. The strong can't afford to laugh at the malcontented weak. That's one of the things you'll never know, he said easily. You sure you want out? Something the doc said the other day had lots of fact in it. The fewer people know about this secret of mine, the better off I'll be, and the better off I am, the better off the whole country is going to be, and I got to think about that. I got responsibilities. A combination of Engine Charlie and Louis IV, eh? Ross muttered, feeling his beefy hand back over his crew cut. It was a relief to get out of his room and talk with the others, but he didn't want Crowley to see that. What's that? The other was impatient of conversation that went above his head. Braun explained gently. One said, I am the state, and the other, anything that's good for my corporation is good for the United States, or something quite similar. 
Crowley sipped at his coffee royal. Well, anyway, Pat, the day you're ready to leave that cell, you better start worrying because that'll mean I don't need you anymore. Ross growled. You didn't answer my question. Rob any banks lately, great man? The other item coldly. Take it easy, buster. Maybe in the early stages of the common man movement, we have to take some strong arm measures, but that stage is about finished. Patrick O'Gar was interested in spite of herself. You said, You mean you already have all the money you need? He was expansive. Obviously, there was nothing to lose with these three, and he liked the sounding board. In spite of his alleged contempt for eggheads, there was an element in Crowley which wished to impress them, to grant him equal status in their own estimations. There's a devil a lot to know about big finance. You need a starter, but once you get it, the stuff just rolls in automatic. He grinned, almost boyishly, especially when you got a certain little advantage like me. Braun said interestedly, Oh, and how do you put your advantage to work? Well, now, I gotta admit, we aren't quite out of the woods. We need more capital to work with. But after tonight, we'll have it. Remember that Brinks job up in New England a long time ago? Well, we got something lined up even bigger. I work with Larry and his boys to pull it. Then there's another thing cooking that Whiteley's been keeping tabs on. It looks like IBM is going to split its stock, three for one. I gotta attend their next secret executive meeting and find out. If they do, we buy in just before, see? We buy on margin, buy options, all that sort of jazz. Whiteley knows all about it. Then we got another big deal in Washington. Looks like the government might devaluate the dollar. Whiteley explained it to me, kind of. Anyway, I gotta go sit in on a conference the president's gonna have. If they really decide to devalue, then Whiteley and me, we go ahead and put every cent we got into Swiss gold. Then the day after devaluation, we switch it all back into dollars again. Double our money. Oh, we got all sorts of angles, Doc. By Caesar, Braun ejaculated, you seem to have. Patricia had poured herself some coffee and was sipping it, black, even as she stared at him. But, Don, what do you need all this money for? You already have more than plenty. Why not call it all off? Get out from under. Ross grunted. It's too late, Pat. Can't you see? He's got the power urge already. Crowley ignored him and turned to her, pouring more coffee and cognac for himself. I'm not running up all this dough just for me. You think you're the only one that's got ideals? Like, let me tell you. I just might be a country boy, but I got ambitions to put some things right in this world. Such as, Patricia prodded, bitterness in her voice. Ah, uh, we went through all that the other day. The thing is, now it's really underway. If you was seeing the newspapers these days, you'd know about the common man party. Uh-oh, Ross muttered unhappily. It's just getting underway, Crowley said modestly. 
but we're hiring two of the top Madison Avenue outfits to handle publicity, and we're recruiting some of the best practical politicians in the field. Practical politicians, Ross snorted. Types like Huey Long, McCarthy, Pendergast, I suppose? The other misunderstood him. Yeah, and even better. We're going in big for TV time. Full-page ads in the newspapers and magazines. That sort of thing. The average man getting tired of the same old talk from Republicans and Democrats. Paul Teeter thinks we might have a chance in the next election. Given enough dough to plow into it, Ross leaned back disdainfully. What a combination! Whiteley, the broker who has been barred from activity on Wall Street, Teeter, the crooked politician, but with some connections from top to bottom, and Larry, whatever his name is. Mazzaroni, Larry supplied. You know where I first ran into his name? In one of them true crime magazines. He's a big operator. I bet he is, the redhead growled. Probably with good mafia connections. I'm surprised you haven't attempted to take over that outfit. Crowley laughed abruptly. Just take it easy and all these things will work their way out. But meantime, I didn't bring you jokers here to make snide remarks. I got work for you. I'm fresh out of that serum and you three are going to brew me another batch. They looked at him. Dr. Braun, Ross Woolley, Patricia O'Gar, their faces registering stubbornness, revolt, and dismay. He shook his head. Larry and some of his boys have experience, I gotta admit. I wouldn't even want to watch. I'm for standing firm, Braun said stiffly. There are but three of us. The most they can do is kill us. But if this man's insanity is a release upon the world... Crowley was shaking his head in deprecation. I like when you say the worst we can do is kill you. Man, haven't you heard about the Nazis and commies and all? You ought to read some of the men's adventure magazines. How do you think Joe Stalin got all them early Bolsheviks to confess? You think they weren't tough buzzards? Why make us go through all the trouble? Then you just cave in eventually anyways. Save yourself the grief. Patricia said impatiently, He's a right, I'm afraid. I would collapse rather quickly under physical coercion. You might last a bit longer, Ross, possibly longer still. But in the end, we would concede. Crowley said, as though in amazement, You know, eggheads aren't as stupid as some would reckon. Okay, folks, I got a laboratory all fixed up with your things. Let's go. Uh, Ross, old pal? I'm carrying heat, as Larry would say. So let's not have any trouble, eh? He had been as good as his word in regards to the laboratory. It was obviously one of the rooms used by the staff when the place had been a sanitarium. Now, each of the three all had equipment and supplies they required. Crowley took a seat at the far end of the room facing them. There had been a guard outside the door when they entered, and a call would bring him in in seconds. 
Even so, Crowley sat in such a wise that his right hand was ready to plunge inside his coat to the gun that evidently was holstered there. He said, Okay, folks, let's get about it. It took them a half an hour or so to sort out those materials each needed in his own contribution to the end product. Their captor looked at his watch impatiently. Let's get a move on here. I thought this was going to take a few minutes. Patricia said testily, What's the hurry, Don? He grinned at her. Tonight's the big night. This evening, just before closing, I'll walk into, well, you don't have to know the name. Like I said, it'll make the Brinks job look like peanuts. They lock up the place and leave, see? Okay, about two o'clock in the morning when the city's dead, Larry and the boys drive up into an alley behind. I go around one by one, sock the four guards on the back of the head. Then I open up for Larry, and they take their time and clear the place out. From then on, we got all the dough we need to start pyramiding it up the stock exchange and like that. Patricia had drawn on rubber gloves, pulled a lab apron around her. She began searching for test tubes, measuring devices. She murmured softly, What keeps you from telling yourself you're nothing but a crook, Don? When we first met you, it seems terribly long time ago, back there in Far Cry, you didn't seem to be such a bag egg. We didn't know then he was a cracked egg, Ross muttered. He looked to where Crowley slouched, his eyes narrowed as though considering his chances of rushing the other. Crowley grinned and shook his head. Don't try it, buster. Crowley looked at Patricia. You don't get it, sister. It's like somebody or other said the ends uh, justify the means. That means... I know what it means, Patricia said impatiently. Dr. Braun, who rather hopelessly was also beginning to work at the equipment their captor had provided, said reasonably, Don, the greater number of thinkers of the world have rejected that maxim. If you will um, uh, analyze it, you will find that the end and the means are one. Yeah, yeah, a lot of complicated egghead gas. What I'm saying, Pat, is that what I'm eventually heading is good for everybody. At least it's good for all the real 100% Americans. Everybody's going to go to college and guaranteed to come out with what you three got, a doctor's degree. Everybody's going to get a guaranteed annual wage, like whether or not they can do any work. It's not a guy's fault if he gets sick or unemployed or something. Everybody, the shades of all the social reformers who ever lived, Ross muttered. By Caesar, Braun said in despair. I have an idea you'll get the vote of every half-wit in the country. Crowley came to his feet. I don't like that kind of talk, Doc. Maybe I'm just a country boy. But I know what the common man wants. What I'm going to do is give it to him. Patricia looked up from her work long enough to frown at him. What special are you going to get out of this, Don? That took him back for a moment, and he scowled at her. Come, come, she said. 
You've already admitted to we three just what you think you are going to do. Now, how do you picture yourself after all this has been accomplished? His face suddenly broke into its grin, a somewhat sly element in it now. You know, when I get this all worked out, the folks are going to be pretty thankful. I bet, Ross muttered. He too was working at his element of compounding the serum. Yeah, they will, Buster, Crowley said reluctantly. And they're going to want to show it. Have you ever seen one of those movies like Ben-Hur back in the Roman days? Can you imagine everybody in the whole country thinking you were the best guy ever lived, you know, like an emperor? Like Caligula, Dr. Braun said softly. I don't know any of their names, but they really had it made. Snap your fingers and there's a big banquet with the best floor show in the world. Snap your fingers and here comes the sexiest dames in Hollywood. Snap your fingers in some big entertainment like chariot race or something. Once I put this over, a common man party, that's the way people are going to feel about me and want to treat me. And if they don't, you'll make them, Ross said sarcastically. You're too smart for your own britches, egghead, Growley snarled. He looked at his watch. Let's get this rolling. I got to get down to the city and start this caper going. Russ handed a test tube to Dr. Braun and began stripping the gloves from his hands. That's my contribution, he said. Patricia had already delivered hers. Dr. Braun combined them, then heated the compounds, adding a distillate of his own. He said, when this cools... Ross crossed the room to the door and said something to the guard there. He returned in a moment with an anthropod ape in a cage. He sat it on a table and looked at them. Okay, he said to Braun, his voice dangerous. Let's see you inject the monk with this new batch of serum. Braun raised his eyebrows. The other watched him narrowly, saying nothing further. Dr. Braun shrugged located a hypodermic needle, and prepared it. In a matter of moments, the animal was dejected. Ross said sourly, You don't trust your fellow man, Don? No, I don't. And stop calling me Don. It's Dan. Daniel Crowley. The three of them looked at him in bewilderment. The ape was beginning to shimmer as though he was being seen through a window wet with driving rain. Don's my goody, goody brother. We used to live in the same house with me. But ever since we were kids, and I got picked up on a juvie delinquent rap for swiping a car, he's been snotty. Anyway, now he's moved to Fresco. Patricia blurted, But you, but you let us believe you were Donald. He brushed it off with a flick of his hand. You said you had some deal where I could make some money. Okay, I was between jobs. The ape was invisible now. Crowley peered in at him. Seems to work all right. Dr. Braun sighed. I am not a Borgia, Daniel Crowley. You're not a what? Never mind. I wouldn't poison even you if that is what you feared. 
Daniel Crowley took up the new container of serum and put a lid on it. He said, I got to get going. The guy out front will get you back to your rooms. No tricks with him, Buster. He was talking directly to Ross. He's already beat a couple of homicide raps. Back in their cell rooms, they found that there was but one guard. Evidently, the all-out robbery attempt to be held this night involved practically all of Larry Mazzaroni's forces. Beyond that, this guard did not seem particularly interested in keeping them from talking back and forth to each other through the peoples that centered their doors. After a couple of hours, during which time they largely held silence, immersed in their own thoughts, Dr. Braun called out, Patricia, Ross, I should tender my apologies. It was my less than brilliant idea to find the average man and to use him as a guinea pig. No apologies necessary, Patricia said impatiently. We all went into it with open eyes. But you were correct, Pat, the doctor said unhappily. Our common man turns out to be a Frankenstein monster, Ross growled. That's the trouble. It turned out he wasn't our common man, but his brother, whose petty criminal record evidently goes back to juvenile days. Even that doesn't matter, Patricia said testily. I've about come to the conclusion that it wouldn't have made any difference who'd we'd put in Don's, I mean Daniel Crowley's position. Man is too near the animal, yet at least, to be trusted with such power. Any man. Why, Pat, Dr. Braun said doggedly, I don't quite believe you correct. For instance, would you feel the same about me? Would I have reacted like our friend Dan? Then he chuckled in depreciation. That's my point, she said. I think you would. Ultimately, once again, look at the Caesars. They held godlike power. You're thinking of such Tiberius, Caligula, Nero, Commodus. I'm also thinking such as Claudius, the scholar who was practically forced to take the imperial mantle and Marcus Aurelius, the philosopher who, though bound up in learning himself, allowed his family free reign in their vices, and finally turned the empire over to his son Commodius, one of the most vicious men of all time. But take Caligula and Nero, if you will. Both of them stepped into power comparatively clean with the best prospects, well-approved, well-loved. What happened to them when given power without restraint? Ross grumbled. I admit I missed the boat, but not for the reasons Pat presents. In a sane society, our serum would be a valuable contribution. But in a dog-eat-dog -dog world, where it's each man for himself, then it becomes a criminal tool, Patricia said sarcastically. And can you point out a sane society? 
Ross grunted. No, he said. After a moment, he added, You know, in the way, Crowley was right. We three eggheads didn't so well up against what he called his common sense. I tried to slug him with negative results. Dr. Braun, you tried sweet reason on him. Forgive me if I laugh, Pat. You tried your womanly wiles, but he saw through that too. The chickens have not all come home to roost, Patricia said mysteriously. What time is it? Ross told her. She called to the guard. See here, you. Shut up. You ain't supposed to be talking at all. Go to sleep. I want to speak to Mr. Mazzaroni. It's very important, and you are going to be dreadfully sorry if you don't bring him. Larry can't be bothered. He's getting ready to go down to the city. I know what he's doing, but if he doesn't listen to me, he's going to be very unhappy and probably full of bullet holes. The guard came over to her door and stared at her for a long moment. He checked the lock on her door, then those of Dr. Braun and Ross Woolley. Well, see who's sorry, he grunted. He turned and left. When he returned, it was with both Larry Mazzaroni and Paul Teeter, Dan Crowley's political advisor. Mazzaroni growled, What goes on? You square looking for trouble? Patricia said testily, I suggest you let us out of here, Mr. Mazzaroni. If you do, we pledge not to press kidnapping charges against you. I believe you are aware of the penalty in this state. You trying to be funny? Definitely not, Miss Mazzaroni, Patricia said icily. Daniel Crowley bragged to us your plans for tonight. The hoodlum muttered a contemptuous obscenity under his breath. Paul Teeter, the heavyset southerner, said jovially, And what does this have to do with releasing you, Miss O'Gara? Admittedly, Dan is a bit indiscreet, but... He let the sentence fade away. Yes, Patricia said. I realize that he is a non-professional in your ranks and have little doubt that eventually you would have to surmount whatever precautions he has taken to keep you in underling positions. That's beside the point. The point is that by this time, Daniel Crowley has, um, infiltrated the institution you expected to burglarize tonight. He is inside and you are still outside. There are four guards who are also inside, whom he is expected to eliminate before you join him. He told you everything all right, the jerk, Larry said coldly, but so what? So Dan Crowley had us make up a new amount of serum tonight and tested it on a chimpanzee in the lab. And if you'll go and check, you'll find undoubtedly the chimp is again visible. The gunman looked at Paul Teeter blankly. The others' reactions were quicker. The serum lasts for 12 hours, Teeter barked. This batch lasts for three hours, Patricia said definitely. 
your friend Crowley is suddenly going to become visible right before the eyes of these four guards, and long before he expected to eliminate them. Tudor barked, Larry, check on that monkey. Dr. Braun spoke up for the first time since the appearance of the two, he said dryly. You'll also notice that the animal is sound asleep. It seems that I added a slow-acting, but rather potent sleeping compound to the serum. The gunman startled from the room in the rush. Ross called after him. If you look closely, you'll also note the chimp's skin has turned brilliant red. There have been some basic changes in the pigment. Holy smokes, Paul Teeter protested, mopping his face with a handkerchief. Didn't he take any precautions against you people at all? Ross said. He was too busy telling us how smart a country boy he happened to be. Larry returned in moments, biting his lip in the first nervous manifestation any of them had ever seen in him. He took Teeter to one side. Patricia called to them impatiently. You have no time and no one to contact Crowley now. Don't be fools. Mend your bridges while you can. Let us out of here and we'll prefer no charges. Larry was a man of quick decision. He snapped to the blank-faced guard who had simulated only a fraction of all this. Go back to the boys and tell them to start packing to get out of here. Tell them the fix has chilled. It's all off. I'll be there in a few minutes. Okay, chief. The other had a philosophical outlook of those who were meant to take orders and knew it. He left. Larry and Teeter opened all the cell doors. Teeter said, How do we know we can trust you? Ross looked at him. Larry said, It's a deal. Give us an hour to get out of here. Then use the phone if you want to call a taxi or whatever. I ain't stupid. This thing was too complicated to begin with. When Teeter and Morzaroni were gone, the three stood alone in the corridor and looked at each other. The doctor pushed his glasses back onto his nose with a thumb and forefinger. By Caesar, he said. Ross ran a hefty paw back through his red crucra and twisted his face into a mock grimace. Well, he said, I have to revise my former statement. I used brute strength against Crowley. The doctor used sweet reason and pat her womanly wiles, and all failed. But as biochemists, each working without the knowledge of the others, we used science, and it paid off. I suppose the thing to do now is buy three jet tickets for California. Braun and Patricia looked at him blankly. Russ explained, didn't you hear what Crowley said? His brother Donald didn't move out to San Francisco. He's a real common man. We'll have to start this experiment all over again. Dr. Braun snorted. Patricia O'Gard, hands on hips, snapped. Ross Woolley, our engagement is off. End of The Common Man by Guy McCord, also known as Dallas McCord Reynolds. Narrated by Ralph J. Martin.